Good afternoon and welcome to Screen Cleaning. My name's Cole Wissinger. And I'm Rod Gustafson. And every week here on the show we get together and talk about the good in the entertainment world. And it has been kind of a unique week uh, for entertainment, for movies, (laughs) TV, music, sports. Everything, it seems like, has been affected in one way or another by this coronavirus. But before we touch on that news, and there is definitely plenty of that news to talk about, there's still some good news out in the world as well. And it's it's kind of the reason why Jeff is not here right now. The Simpson clan has welcomed in another child. Yay. Congrats to Jeff and his wife and his family. Absolutely. That's great news. <laughs> and so pinch hitting for us today is Rod Gustafson. Always a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you, Cole. I'm happy to be here. And it's not because you have a, a review, although you are a seasoned movie reviewer yourself and you've graced our, our airwaves with your opinions on movies and everything in that <laughs> before. You don't have a new movie review for us because no one's got yeah, movie reviews Yeah, there's not right a now. whole lot to watch at the moment that's new, yeah. For the first weekend... In the modern box office, modern scheduling, modern producing format, you know, go back about 20 years, we have an entire week, a a, a full weekend where there are no new releases. Isn't that amazing? And the the box office itself, because of a lot of the movie theater closures, hit a 20-year low, and that number will probably go down this Mm, weekend. Yeah, yeah. I am sure. Yeah, I heard Wednesday was kind of the last day theaters were open. And last year on that same date, $11 million. This year, 300000 Gives you an idea. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. And uh, so the movies that were already out, the studios are starting to adapt their strategy because if you can't take the whole family and spend 10 bucks a head to go see it in a theater, Mm -hmm. they are making some of these movies available video on demand Mm -hmm. for your own home. Mm -hmm. For... A lot of them were seeing the price around $20. Yeah. So Birds of Prey, Bloodsport, which just came out with the new Vin Diesel movie, Invisible Man, The Hunt, all of the mm-hmm. releases that had just gotten out right before coronavirus affected everything, they are, as of today, being available on demand. And my wife wanted me to go see Emma, which I reviewed on the show for you guys because something good had to come out of watching Emma with my wife in the front row because the theater was so packed. And do you now, still have a crick in your neck? I, I still do. But oh. now I could watch it for $20 from what I understand, just sitting at home. And I could even doze off comfortably. <laughs> yes. A little more. I, I've got reclining seats in my home that are slightly better than the reclining seats at the yeah, and there's, there's more movies coming out, too. That uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we, we talked about some of the delays and things like that. Trolls World Tour mm-hmm. is one where it looked like it was going to get an April release. This one is just going to be straight to video. Video on Demand, rumored to be releasing April 10th on Video on Demand. And so you can pop your own popcorn and see it with the kids for a bargain price. So before even that, talking about the kids' movies as well, as of today onward, which was still stuck in theaters because mm-hmm. they got their proper release out, today you can stream onward for 20 bucks. But if you have a little patience and if the budget is getting tighter as you know, we all start to prepare yeah. for what the, the financial implications of this virus will end up being, just wait, wait a week. Put yeah. a pin in it because on April 3rd, 
Onward will be coming to Disney Plus. April third. So that's only two. They're putting it out. Wow. You can buy it for twenty bucks today. But if you just you know, wait, wait a second. April third, you can stream it on Disney Plus. Wow. Which brings up also Frozen Two was not supposed to come to Disney Plus mm-hmm. until somewhere in April May. They pushed that up three months. They're saying. Yeah. They never officially announced when it was going to be, and so you know, there's no official. It moved up, but. It very much did, and you can stream Frozen 2 right now with your kids that still can't get enough of those songs. I wonder if this is the future. Into the unknown. Into the unknown, yes. That's where the whole industry is going, is into the unknown. (laughs) But I wonder, I wonder if this is the future, if we're going to see 20, maybe even $30 movie rentals, where you rent your movie, and uh, and then, you know, maybe four months later, you can buy it for another $20 There are long-term implications Oh, there are. There definitely are, and you can bet people are thinking about it. You know, as we kind of look at how how small business, how little shops are going to be affected very negatively by the coronavirus yep. in general, little, you know, coffee shops or things that rely mm-hmm. on people coming together. The movie theater business is in the business of people coming together at the yep. theater to yep. see things on a large screen. We're going to get a little taste right now of being able to sit comfortably in our home. They're going to see how financially viable this is going to be in comparison for a little while. Yes. And so once we do get out of this, because this is not you know, going to be the forever status, but once we get out of this, movie theaters are going to have to kind of assess where they're at and studios might be adapting their strategies. Yeah, the exhibitors, that's what we call in the industry, the movie Ooh, theater people, like exhibitors. Their big trade organization is banking on cabin fever and that people will be so excited to get out and watch a movie in a really big theater that the theaters are going to be packed. That's what they are hoping for. Make and, up for some of the And you mentioned yeah. the little coffee shops and all those businesses. Those businesses really depend on movie theaters too because what do you do? before or after a movie, go for dinner before, maybe you go out for ice cream or something afterwards, you know, all that spinoff. It's like Domino's. My hometown has a little pizza pizza shop (laughs) right across. (laughs) But but speaking of pizza, my hometown has a little pizza shop that's right across the street from the little two screen uh, cinema that we have. And the go-to date for high school kids is you go get a pizza and walk across the street and then you walk in and you see a movie. And both of those right now that People being together, you're, we're trying to social distance. We're trying to be good, you know, members mm-hmm. of society, mm-hmm. and that's that's all being yeah. affected. When you talk about the entertainment world, how it's been affected by these sort of things in the past, a lot of time entertainment has been able to be that escape. You know, when yes. when I read, it's interesting. I read that this was a 20 year low mm-hmm. in box office performance, and I thought to myself, about 20 years ago. You know, I guessed that it was maybe September 11th, the week right. after that, that that the box mm-hmm. office had such probably, a... Probably, yeah. But, but it, it wasn't. wasn't. It, it wasn't, yeah. That was a good weekend for the box office because people needed an escape at the time. Mm-hmm. All of the major tragedies where things have been affected, movies have kind of been outside that. Yeah, this is the first time have. where they're in the midst of... And the great, the great Depression, the Great Recession, both of those times, movies picked up. Even in the 1930s, people flocked to movie theaters to see happy stories. And Hollywood was apart from that. But this time, Hollywood is right in the middle of it. 
So how are you escaping, Rod? What are you watching right now? What am I watching right now? What's your right quarantine now? Well, go-to? We have just barely begun, and where I live, we don't have the mandated you must stay in your home yet. They're encouraging, you know, the social distancing. There's the you should stay but, in groups but of you 10 should. or under. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we've been watching the uh, CBS All Access, Star Trek Picard. I'm, I'm a little slow to get to some of these things, but we watched that one. Cole, you'll laugh. Just a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I finished The Mandalorian Fine. Finally got through that. No, I, so. I think you're a little bit ahead on Jeff on that curve, and, and we'll get to that <laughs> it's a little bit true, ahead yeah. in the program. So, but no, I uh, I bought myself a, a nice new 4K Roku box, and I get three months of CBS All Access, and so we're going to binge the the series on there, and maybe they'll even sell me on it. Who knows? Did so. you? So is it just Picard so far, or have you gotten to Star Trek Discovery? No, that's haven't the one done Discovery yet. Okay. Yeah, no, we're just doing Picard at the moment. So yeah, yeah. And it's been fun. It's, you know, one of the things that's coming out of this is that I can already feel a shift. And our kids are pretty much all adults now. We've got our daughter living with us. She's working on a graduate degree. So, but, you know, I'm already feeling a little bit of a, gee, this isn't so bad. We're, we're home. We're doing things together, you know, as husband and wife and sometimes with our daughter. And, uh, but, you know, after a couple of three weeks, I'm going to be really itching to <laughs> go do something. So we'll see how this goes. Yeah, it's it's an experiment for everyone. For it the is, the great business, social experiment. The, the TV business as well as being affected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, you know, sh- productions are shut down everywhere. And on top of that, I don't know if you're aware, but the writers were threatening a strike in May, the Hollywood writers. And uh, and so that means, the, but here's the good news. The studios knew this was coming, so they've really been stockpiling toilet paper. No, I'm sorry, they've been stockpiling <laughs> No, that's me that needs the toilet paper. (laughs) That's right. Well, scripts sometimes could become toilet paper if you know how many of them come in the door. And uh, But yeah, they've been stockpiling scripts. And uh, so this is a good thing, which means that they have lots of material that they can begin working on as soon as they're allowed to come together and start working again. Um, Other interesting things going on in Hollywood, you know, we talk about the writer's rooms and writer's rooms are real deals where they rent a room and all the writers get together and they butt heads over, you know, characters in the series and writing the Bible for their new miniseries and all of this stuff. Sounds like a gathering of more than 10 people, It is. So guess what? Zoom to the rescue again. You know, Zoom, the whole world, I think, right now is depending on this... uh, on this teleconferencing Those Zoom company. servers are the real MVP of oh, the coronavirus so far because I, I'm shocked that they have not can I hope they apart. have quite a huge uh, security uh, surrounding them because we're using them here at BYU Broadcasting and Hollywood is using them. All the major studios have signed up for them. The universities are using them. So so that's where Man, the writer where rooms the, are that's gathering That's where the insider now. information is. If I if you can hack Zoom, mm. you can find out what's what's going to happen. Yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah that's, and... that's my concern with so many people working from who knows where. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that won't happen. But but yeah, TV shows are shut down and uh, so many many things are going into hiatus. You know, though, there's a good thing. One good thing has come out of the TV show shutting down. I read this this morning. I couldn't believe it. Shows, medical shows like Fox's The Resident and uh, NBC's New Amsterdam and ABC's The Good Doctor and they are donating their props, which are real medical supplies, their their gloves and their gowns and all of those things. And sure. I guess they had 
a reasonably sized stockpile of this. They've donated them to local hospitals in the area of when they're shooting, of where they're shooting. That's fantastic. And so they're showing up at the hospital saying, here, we don't need these. Have our gloves, have our masks, have our gowns. And so... So that's one of the things that's coming out of this. It's my man Fred Rogers, right? We've had a documentary and a movie and Western Pennsylvania native, and I, I love everything Mr. Rogers. And one of the quotes I will always remember for him is when he would see scary things in the news as a little kid, his mom <laughs> would point and say, always look for the helpers. Yeah. And so, yeah, this coronavirus is a serious thing and people are dying and and we're just touching on this very small entertainment-affected corner of yes. the big news that is oh, coronavirus yeah. and yeah. it is serious but to still be able to see the good that mm-hmm. is that is there and mm-hmm. in humanity yes, is wonderful exactly. and that, that's what we yeah. try to do with the when the show was born right when jeff simpson pitched this as an idea it was to find the good in the entertainment world because so much seems dominated by gossip mm-hmm. and, and just the dirt around la and, and yes. that news cycle and even in the most trying times, there is good to be found. And, and I like that was such a cool story that the like because I remember Scrubs is one of my favorite TV shows, and it's lauded for being one of the most like medically accurate shows uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. They and I never thought like those are real syringes and whatnots that are just around in this fake hospital. If they're not shooting right now, <laughs> that's right. take them down the street. So take them down the street, and that's exactly what they're doing. Really cool. Also in a hospital right now, if I can make a terrible segue, Jeff Simpson and his wife, right? They mm. just had a baby and and Jeff knew that this was coming. And so um, not that we were particularly prepared for coronavirus and social distancing, but Jeff and I recorded a show just about a week and a half ago when he expected that his wife would be delivering this child sometime and would interrupt our show's schedule. Uh, so we put a show in the bank about babies. And so coming up right after this, Jeff and I will be having a conversation about babies in movies, very apropos for this time in his life. That's coming up next. Thank you again, Rod, for coming along. Um, Depending on how long paternity leaves lasts, we might ask you back again next week. And even if we don't, when movies are back in the theater, we always appreciate Rod Gustafson's movie reviews here on screen. You bet. And I'll even see what I can dig up for you on streaming. Thank you so much. (laughs) We'll be right back here on Screen Clean. Hello, baby. Yeah, this is the Big Bopper speaking. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. My name is Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And today on the program, if you haven't guessed already, we're going to be talking babies. Babies in movies. And why is that, Cole? Well, Jeff, uh, not because of me, that's for sure. (laughs) Why don't you tell the folks? Well, because at any moment, my wife could be having our fourth baby. Congratulations to you and your wife and your whole family. Thank you. You said that kind of like the big bopper, too. I appreciate that. Hello, (laughs) baby. And it almost sounded like a little baby rattle there at the beginning, right? I think that was intentional. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we're talking baby movies today, and I got to preface this by saying... When you are as pregnant as my wife, and I hope that you never are, Cole. I'll try. Okay. Um, When you're as pregnant as my wife, you would do just about anything to get that baby out, (laughs) right? And so, you know, you start really buying into a lot of the old wives' tales about 
Uh, my wife's been talking to me about, oh, last night was a full moon. Maybe the, uh, we'll have the baby tonight because there's a full moon. Apparently that's a thing. Um, and apparently it didn't happen because you're sitting in front of me. I'm sitting in front of you, the full moon, thanks for nothing. Um, it also sometimes helps, or she thinks it does, or anyway, you, you kind of say to yourself that these things help to uh, read as much info as you can about babies. Maybe if I sit down and read about babies, this baby will come out. That hasn't helped either. So another thing that we're going to turn to and that we've turned to in the past is let's watch movies about babies and hopefully that will get things going. Right, Cole? Yeah, put yourself in the right frame of mind. Put right. the game face on and get ready for yeah. a lot of pain, I assume. <laughs> so Cole and I have compiled a list of baby movies that we are hoping will send my wife into labor. Yes. <laughs> also as an excuse because we need something to play while you are on paternity leave. Uh, this goes into that spot. Absolutely. So let's start with... A documentary, Cole, because you and I are starting to discover documentaries more, right? I'd like to think so. And last year we did a show on documentaries because there were some really good documentaries coming out. And you and I realized, you know, maybe have we even ever seen a documentary in the movie theaters? And since then we've seen a few. But this is probably the first documentary I saw in a movie theater. You can't say The Miracle of Life. I saw that one in health class. Yeah, that was I, not it. I think this is one of those films that we were hoping would induce labor with my wife because it's a documentary called Babies. And uh, we have a clip here. And in this clip, you have these two little kids. One is a baby and the other one is an older sibling that should know better, but they're kind of arguing over a toy and uh, they things get carried away. That is just one of four babies featured in this film. It's a documentary that uh, there are no interviews. There are no reenactments. This is just straight footage, right, Cole? One of the babies is from Namibia. Another is from Mongolia. There's Tokyo, Japan, and San Francisco. And it's a really cute documentary that that just goes to show you that Really, babies are the same no matter where they're from, Cole. So these four very different examples of babies from around the world, and yeah, we're we're all the same. And who would have thought that, you know, that sort of a message would come in a documentary about these cute little babies. About babies. Yeah. So it's just someone's home movies about kid, their, well, their own kids. Well, not home movies. Like there was a filmmaker, a French filmmaker that – you know, took the footage and edited it all together. Okay. But, uh, yeah, if if it doesn't induce labor, it'll at least get you excited about having a baby because okay. these babies are adorable. As they normally <laughs> are. I, um, I, I realized as I was trying to think of all the movies that I like that happen to have babies in them or I was going through the list of my brain and I realized most of my picks are going to not actually have babies babies in them until maybe at the very end because I found a lot of movies about 
pregnancy and then getting ready to have the baby. I preluded to horror movies Uh-oh. and I think one of the examples not only of a baby movie but of a horror movie in general uh, as horror was just uh, starting was Rosemary's Baby. Oh boy. All right. So tell us what Rosemary's Baby is about. In 1968, Cole. Roman Polanski directs a movie based on a novel about a woman who is about to give birth to the spawn of Satan. Oh, so it's a family film. <laughs> As it usually is. Okay. Um, not a lot of gore and content. Again, we're talking 1960s. And so it's more horror and are for the idea and the psychological torment that Mia Farrow is going through as she's preparing to give birth. If your pick is to encourage and to enlighten and to be like, hey, babies can be cool, uh, this one will scare you off babies for a couple years. (laughs) Okay, so it is rated R, so be on the lookout for that. But it also got a bunch of Oscar nominations, which is rare for it's a, a horror It's a critically film. acclaimed horror movie, and it's got Baby in the title, and I had to at least mention Rosemary's Baby. I can guarantee you my wife and I will not be watching that to induce labor. Weird. Um, maybe if, you know, as a last resort to try to scare the baby out of the it's, womb. Babies are like hiccups, right? You have to hold your breath <laughs> or spook it out. or Okay. All right. So there's Rosemary's Baby to choose from. <laughs> um, or you could go for something that is a little more of a family fair. And it's interesting because this stars a woman who has never been married and, to my knowledge, doesn't have any children. It stars Diane Keaton in a 1980s film called Baby Boom. And uh, this is a film that I grew up watching. It's about this yuppie who really just does not have time for babies. She has a a live-in boyfriend played by the late Harold Ramis. And, uh, yeah, babies are the last thing from her mind because she's just busy, 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 go, go, go. You know how yuppies work, right, Cole? Yes. And uh, it just so happens in a very high-concept way— as movies from the 80s are wont to do, yeah. uh, she finds out that some distant relative has passed away, leaving her in charge of this brand new baby, and she has absolutely no experience or any desire to take care of this baby, but just finds herself that in this situation that she can't get out of, but uh, she's going to try it anyway. Right, Cole? And so over the course of the movie, she warms up to this baby and she really comes to love this child. And at the very end of the movie, she comes home to this baby and we have this little exchange that just melts your heart. And part of the reason why it melts your heart, Cole, is because you've seen her struggle the entire movie uh, trying to get this girl to behave, to warm up to her. And this is the first time you hear her say anything. And it's, Mama. And, uh, yeah, it just gets me going, Cole. It, it, this has got to induce labor. This has got to be the one, Cole. Well, if not, we've got a couple more. Okay, what have you got? <laughs> 
Uh, I'm I'm going to get my other horror pick out of the way, and it's also oh relevant this time because it, depending on when your wife ends up having this child, it's either the week before or the week that A Quiet Place 2 comes out. And when I think of pregnancy in horror movies, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski's real-life relationship taken to the screen in A Quiet Place and the scene of her giving birth in a bathtub, which I hear is very natural and that people <laughs> tend to do, just not with a, a bloodthirsty monster outside trying to get them, uh, comes straight to my mind. Yeah, if Rosemary's baby does not scare the baby out of ya, then A Quiet Place will certainly do that. Also, um, yeah, something as strong as my wife is, I gosh, I don't know of any woman that can just as quietly as possible deliver a baby. Without making a peep. I know. It's amazing. It was, and it's a very tense scene. So, again, we're thinking, my brain went to babies in movies, not necessarily like cute pinch their cheeks, but like what scenes do I remember there being babies in a movie? And this one, the tension of your horror movie is driven on a linchpin of a birth scene, which is just <laughs> not normal. I've seen I've seen a couple horror movies in my day, Jeffrey, and this is a very unique one. And and it it just is in your memory forever as as what it is, and and the tension, and the, and the monster starts coming up, and Emily Blunt, we assume, is just doomed, and it it gets there, and she's not even there, and we're left to wonder, just as her loving husband, John Krasinski, who probably has a name in these movies, but I don't remember either of theirs, <laughs> I just know that they're Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, he gets this fear for his newborn child as well as his wife. Yeah. Uh, and and that's passed along to the audience. I think even more intense than that scene in A Quiet Place is when the baby has been born and she's having to try and keep the baby quiet. And there's just this little tiny baby in this little tiny box with this little tiny... Uh, uh, like oxygen mask, Oxygen right? mask, yeah. right? And that scene to me is terrifying. Oh, um, let's move on to some lighter fare, I'll shall we, I'll brighten it up now for you, Jeff. Okay, okay. So um, one pick that has been a favorite of ours since we first saw it is a film about another working woman who, unlike Diane Keaton's yuppie character in Baby Boom, this character actually really, really, really wants a baby. But uh, there's one problem— she doesn't have a significant other or husband or anything like that. And so she is hoping to become pregnant on her own. And it's called Baby Mama, starring Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Jeffrey, we have one in common. I'm what? glad I've been holding off on a little. This was actually the third one on my list as well. That no I was way. Do. Yeah, babe, this is a great movie. I have a friend um, who... I know him for liking a lot of just very serious or indie or Oscar-y movies. He's the one that got me into like making sure I check boxes off of the list of every single movie that's been nominated for Oscars that year. Um, and then he also really, really loves Baby Mama for <laughs> I guess for just the sheer enjoyment that this fun little movie uh, brings. Well, I mean, listen to this cast. You've got Tina Fey, Greg Kinnear, Amy Poehler, Dax Shepard. Steve Martin. You can't go wrong with that cast. It's a hilarious movie. It fits the cast, too. Yeah. 
And again, this movie will get you in the mood for babies because it's just it's a a hilarious comedy about these two women that couldn't be more different from each other. And Amy Poehler plays the surrogate who is going to deliver a baby for Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a twist, a del- I don't I want to say I don't want to say delightful twist, but in a twist that you almost see coming in a comedy of this proportion, sure. is uh, you know surprise surprise, Amy Poehler has been pretending to be pregnant just so that she can continue to collect these checks from Tina Fey. Because it turns out she finds, so Amy Poehler's just like a, a live her life by the seat of her pants kind of free spirit. And she's in need of money as young people are sometimes when they sure. live that kind of lifestyle. And she realizes, I think she has a friend early on in the movie that had done this gig and been paid. Uh, you get paid pretty handsomely for being a surrogate because you have to go through nine months of, you know, having a baby. Sure. So uh, Amy Poehler, to her credit, like, tries a little bit, but there's like a little snafu, and then she just kind of fakes it for a little while. Yeah. And then, of course, um, you know, Tina Fey was looking for a baby but gained a friend. Amy Poehler was looking for some money but gained a friend. And then by the end of the movie, they're actually both pregnant. Right. Even though Tina Fey has been told her whole life, you'll never be pregnant. That's right? the miracle. That's like the great moment, right? She goes through all of this and th- she thinks like when she realizes that Amy Poehler has been faking being pregnant, she is just back right down at the bottom of everything because she thinks she'll never be able to have this joy of a child in her life. And then miraculously, she, you know, and she starts a relationship as well. You know, she gets a little more serious about her family life rather than, you know, her business because that's also the message of these sorts of movies. Sure. And, and so, yeah, she she miraculously uh, conceives. Dax Shepard is always a, a, a joy to watch. And <laughs> Steve Martin, uh, this is kind of a different role for him. He plays this very granola type of a guy that uh, – just has all of these really ridiculous sayings throughout the movie. And uh, it's it's worth it for Steve Martin alone, in my opinion. Okay, so we both picked Baby Mama. What's both... next on your list? So Cole? I've got another one that, again, it's more about the relationship and, and how you come, how, how two women kind of bond over a child. Uh, another woman that's looking for a surrogate mother and she couldn't have found a more loose or casual or cavalier uh, host for the future child. And that is a young girl by the name of Juno in the movie Juno. Aha. This is an interesting film, Cole. This is the very first one that I thought of, and this is my favorite of all the ones that I'm going to talk about because it's at its core a teen you know, drama Dramedy. and romance <laughs> thing. Uh, but really – it's it's more the relationship between young Juno and, you know, the, the mom that more than anything in the world, she just wants to be a mother. She has just surrounded herself by all of the perfect, you know, trappings and getting ready and she's just so prepared and she's read all the books like we talked about before and she she just wants it so bad and she's kind of drug along poor Jason Bateman who's not totally ready for this uh, as a kid – Watching it as a, as a younger person, as a teenager, I related to Juno and like her cool relationship with Jason Bateman. Now that I'm an adult, that man is painted in a much poorer light because he really is just a child that isn't 
ready for this. Even though he's a 30-year-old man, he still wants to live out his dream of being a rock star. And if there's one thing we learn from all of these baby movies is you got to be ready to bring a kid into the world. That's right. Well, this is the only film on my list that doesn't have the word baby in the title. And uh, it, But it's certainly one that you should think about whenever you think about having babies because it is hilarious. And we've got a couple of clips from it. So the premise of this movie, Raising Arizona, it's a movie written and directed by Ethan and Joel Cohen, is there is this couple that, in keeping with this theme we've got going on, Cole, of people that can't have babies, mm-hmm. they read about this rich couple who just, as luck would have it, has quintuplets. And so they figure they've got more than they need. What would be the problem if they just took one of those babies? So it kind of sounds like a serious crime drama, but really it's it's more like a Looney Tunes cartoon. If you've ever seen this movie, it is ridiculous. And in this scene that we're going to visit right here, uh, Nicolas Cage, he's this ex-con who's married to this ex-cop. And he is visited by a couple of old chums, a couple of old old cohorts who uh, have decided to stop by his house just after they have broken out of prison and just after Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter have kidnapped one of the quintuplets. I was just explaining to your better half here that when we were tunneling out, we happened to hit the main sewer line. Dumb luck, that. And we followed that to... You mean you busted out of jail? No, ma'am. Uh, we released ourselves on our own recognizance. What Evel here is trying to say is that we felt the institution no longer had anything to offer us. <laughs> I love that scene. And those two are fantastic in those roles. And you heard uh, John Goodman there. Um, As you normally do here in a Coen Brothers movie. Oh, absolutely. So later on in the movie, these two cons or these two convicts find out that Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter have kidnapped this baby. There's reward money involved. And so they want to cash in on that as well. So they kidnap the baby from the kidnappers. And as, you know, anybody that's around a little cute baby is want to do, they uh, they start to form a little bond of their own with this cute little baby. And I believe we've got a clip of that as well. Got some baby grub, baby wipes. Got them diapers in disposable kind. I got me a packet of blues. They blow up in the funny shapes at all? No, just circular. Sorry. Where's Junior? What do you mean? Didn't you put him in? No, I thought. Promise we ain't ever gonna leave him, Gail. <laughs> So in this movie, it does a pretty good job of of having you sympathize with Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter because, yeah, there are people that would do just about anything to have a baby, hopefully not go as far as kidnap another baby. But, um, yeah, you sympathize with people that, that are not able to have babies. But it's also just a hilarious film about the lengths that we go to for the people that we love. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, great movie. Super funny. My Spy is not coming out uh, anytime soon. Uh, it Its release date got pushed back, but it did make me think about this genre of 
a big guy and a, a little kid, right? Kindergarten Cop with Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't about babies. It's about kindergartners. But my favorite in the genre, The Pacifier, very much does have a baby at the core of the plot. And that's when Vin Diesel, an ex-Navy SEAL, or current Navy SEAL, is recruited as part of his job to protect this family because their dad has the secret to something or other. Hmm. I've seen it. Ten times. I can't remember what it is that's actually down in that basement. Ten times. I, I love The Pacifier. And it's it's one of those easy ones that whenever it's on TV, you know, you've got The Fugitive that you've got to stop and, oh, yeah. and watch it if you come across it. Honestly, I've got The Pacifier whenever it's on TNT or TBS or whatever it is I'm scrolling through. I stop and I watch it because it's just a fun movie and seeing Vin Diesel interact with the kids of all ages here, but especially the smallest of the family, the baby, that Peter Panda dance is in my head always and it ends up being a plot in the movie, right? The the little dance that has to put the baby to sleep that that Vin Diesel, (laughs) big goofy Vin Diesel has to do every single night ends up being the secret path for this maze down in the bottom of their basement in order to unlock the secret thing that whatever the people are trying to get that Vin Diesel's supposed to protect. Uh, The baby is an important part of that movie. You know, it's interesting that you talked about this film because it's a great segue into the last film that I want to talk about, which, again, is focuses on this group of men who are way out of their element in raising this baby. There are three men, to be exact, so it's and no surprise that it's called Three Men and a Baby. So, again, a baby is uh, basically dropped into their laps, in this case, uh, left on their doorstep, and these three working men who are who are these party guys, you know, I think Tom Selleck is like an architect or a con- building guy, and Ted Danson plays an actor. I'm not sure what Steve Gutenberg does. I think he just plays Steve Gutenberg. He usually does. And yeah, you have these three hip party guys trying to raise this little baby. And it was so successful and so popular that there was a sequel called Three Men and a Little Lady, which is actually the film of these two films, the one that I watched over and over and over again growing up, both with the same kind of uh, formula to it. And uh, it turns out Nancy Travis is the mother of this baby that comes back in the sequel and has like a a full-length feature role in Three Men and a Little Lady. But, yeah, you can't go wrong with it. And, in fact, the scene that I remember the most from these two films comes in Three Men and a Little Lady where they're having this party and uh, this girl has been taken from them because Nancy Travis is going to get married and so the girl is not going to be a part of their lives anymore. And so they're having this party and somebody puts in a cassette tape that dates this movie a little bit. Yes. They put in a cassette tape. So does having Ted Danson and Tom Selleck sure. and Steve Gooch. An audio cassette tape, no, no less, uh, gets put in at this party. And they're thinking it's going to be some tunes that would be good to listen to at the party. And on this tape, it's Ernie singing, Rubber Ducky, you're the one. <laughs> and... Seeing all the uh, confused looks at the party from all the other partygoers <laughs> is makes for fun entertainment. That's what happens when you have a kid. Yeah. 
Well, Cole, this is a great place to start. I'm going to take this list home. I'm going to see if I can get things uh, going with I'm this baby you, you coming s- out. You start with Rosemary's Baby, and oh. it just rolls from there. Rosemary's Baby in a quiet place, and we won't need to go any further <laughs> is what you're right. saying. Scare that baby out. Oh, I don't want to scar my baby in while, while he's still in the womb, Cole. Uh, he's got a long life ahead of him. Okay. All right. Well, if you say so. Coming up next on Screen Cleaning, in keeping with our baby theme we've got going on here, we're going to continue our conversation about babies in the movies and maybe talk about some of our favorite babies in the movies. The cutest. That's up next. When you're down and low, lower than the floor, and you feel like you ain't got a chance, boom, boom, boom. Don't make a move till you're in the groove and do the Peter Panda dance. Just hop three times like a kangaroo. Sidestep twice just like the crabs do. Three steps forward, one step back. Quick like a turtle, lie on your back. Roll like a log till you can't roll no more. Better jump quick like there ain't no floor. Hold your breath. Jump to the left. And that's the Peter. I swear that's the Peter. That's the Peter Panda dance. Turns out when you Google baby movies, Baby Driver is one of the ones that comes up. One of my favorites that utilizes music very well. Uh, not actually about a baby, though, but has plenty of baby music in oh, it. Okay. Well, thank you. That was a great song to come back to the program with. So, but because we're talking about actual babies, not just movies with baby in the title, we wanted to look at some of the cutest little babies across all of babies Aww. in movies. Okay. And... And unsurprisingly, a lot of my picks are going to be animated or uh, at least puppets as well. Very recently, Baby Yoda has taken (sighs) the world by storm. Ever since we didn't even know what was in that little package, um, no one spoiled it. They held off on the marketing, uh, and we saw the little puppet, Baby Yoda. It doesn't even have a name yet, just the child from The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. This baby is taking the world by storm. I mean— the the baby Yoda toy is selling out like crazy. My kids did not want to watch The Mandalorian, but I just showed them a picture of baby Yoda and even they admitted that he was so super cute. And so when I saw Baby Sonic in the new Sonic movie, a lot of people criticized and said, oh, they're just trying to capitalize on how cute Baby Yoda is. But babifying your character has been a trend long before this year in Baby Yoda. In fact, a couple years ago, Pixar, also a, a Disney subsidiary, did it to great effect, I think, in Finding Dory, when they flashed back and forward between adult Dory and the things that she's slowly starting to remember from her childhood as baby Dory. Those cute big eyes that she – I mean that's what really makes a baby cute if you're animating it. You just (laughs) stick big old eyes on it, um, make the rest of the features semi-proportionate, and you've got a cute baby. Oh, I love it. Baby Yoda and baby Dory, they are so cute. 
There's some baby humans as well that have entered the Disney canon. Uh, the beginning of so. Moana had a baby <laughs> Moana, and the oh. beginning of Tangled had baby Rapunzel as well. That definitely count as cute little babies. Yeah. And I, uh, gosh, I was thinking as you were talking especially about Baby Yoda, you know, maybe I would probably be okay if I had a baby that came out looking like Baby Yoda. Sometimes they actually do when they're first born, right? Wrinkly and green and yes. giant ears. And full of sage wisdom, Cole. Yes. <laughs> and the force. And the force. That would be awesome. Who are we kidding? Yeah. One of the picks that I kind of wanted to talk about with, like, actual baby movies, but I didn't think quite fit because it's more about baby dogs than it is babies. But 101 Dalmatians features birth and babies and, uh, you know, 101 different puppies for that matter. And the cute little, you know, seeing them and talking about, like, they don't get their spots until they're older. And when Cruella DeVille holds up that cute little dog and says it's it's ugly, it's filthy and wretched, but it's a cute little puppy. Yes, my wife absolutely loves that movie. I'm not sure what I would do with 101 children, but um, yeah, those puppies are cute. I don't even know if I could handle one puppy, though, Cole, to be honest, because I've already got three kids. Three other kids and another on the way. Yeah. (laughs) There are cute, like, real-life babies, too. A movie I'm surprised we didn't talk a couple you know, classics of the baby canon, Baby Geniuses and Look Who's Talking. How did those not come up whenever we were talking about baby movies, Jeff? Yeah, I don't know. I mean— And especially when you first started talking about documentaries, I I did think we were doing Baby Geniuses first off. Based on a true story, I think. That's with Christopher Lloyd and Kathleen Turner. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Definitely Christopher Lloyd. You know, it's interesting. There were a couple of recent movies about kind of the the business side of of babies, right? Yeah. You've got Alec Baldwin as— Basically, this corporate baby and this baby organization in heaven that, uh, yeah, you either you either get to go down to earth or you get to stay up in heaven and, and kind of have a, a desk job as a baby, right? <laughs> Just and, the nine to five. Right. So that movie was actually nominated for an Academy Award. I wouldn't go far so far as to say it's it's that good, but it has this feeling of a movie from olden times, you know, like it seems like it it belongs from the 40s or the 50s, you know, a a movie that would come out back then. And another film that deals with kind of the how babies come to the earth uh legend is Storks. You know, the good old stork legend. And that move, both of those movies are full of a bunch of cute little uh, computer animated babies that are certainly to melt your heart and get you in the mood for having another baby. When I think of storks, the very beginning scene of Yoshi's Island, the video game, is where we were first introduced to baby Mario and baby Luigi in the in those in the video games. And the stork is carrying them both to their family in the Mushroom Kingdom. And then uh, the bad guy, Kamek, sweeps in and on behalf of Bowser and, and steals Luigi. But baby Mario falls down to Yoshi's Island. And then over the course of the next eight worlds and the entire video game is just carrying baby Mario on your back to get him reunited with his brother and to free the stork and let the kids go free. It's it's cute and it's video games, which we don't talk about enough on screen cleaning. You know, I just thought of one of my favorite examples of cute babies on film, and that is actually from a Pixar short. 
the one where there are all these different clouds that are just creating these babies out of uh, basically water and electricity, I guess. Yeah. And, Whatever clouds uh, have to work with. And then they, they hand over these babies to these storks that then go and deliver them. And it focuses on on one poor pathetic cloud who can only seem to make some of the undesirable and really dangerous babies Boy, that exist. Boy, that stork got a rough job oh, when yeah. them out. Yeah, but oh, it, it's such a sweet story between this cloud and the stork because – even though the stork is constantly in danger of being bitten or electrocuted or kicked. Um, or ram head-butted. He just keeps going back because he he really loves that cloud so much. And I think he understands that all creatures deserve to have a baby. And that's just what – that's the service that he's going to provide in life is to get those babies delivered to all these different creatures and, uh, you know, I've got to admit, I think I, – I don't want to speak for most women, but I think I could speak for my wife in saying that she would love it if that could be the method of delivery, either via stork, via cloud, via baby corporation in heaven. That would be just amazing. You know, if you didn't have to do that 39, 40-week ordeal where you go through this – uh, amazing transformation, culminating and in a lot of pain. Lose sleep, and you know all of the sickness that leads up to that, and yeah, that culminates in in that uh, great pain. But I think in the end, there's a special bond that is formed there that you wouldn't appreciate if a baby came any other way, right, Cole? Makes it worth it. Coming up on the program, as we do with each and every episode, we're going to do a little panning for good and, and keeping with our baby theme we've got going on here. It's uh, it's going to be from our good pal Jim Gaffigan. I, I say good pal. I don't know him personally, but I'm a huge fan. That's up next here on Screen Cleaning. There's good in them there hills. One of my favorite stand-up comedians, probably the favorite of mine, is Jim Gaffigan. And Jim Gaffigan likes to joke about food. He likes to joke about being lazy. But a huge chunk of the time he spends talking about his kids. And now he has five kids, which seems like a lot for anybody, but especially for somebody in the entertainment industry. Right, Cole? Yeah. I mean, I was an only child, and I cannot relate to these large family jokes. Right. And so, yeah, a, a huge amount of his material <laughs> comes from his kids. And at this point, as he's sharing this little routine, he has four kids in his family, and just like any father of that many kids, uh, you can probably sympathize with some of the uh, pains that are experienced by parents as they are trying to get their kids to go to sleep. Bedtime is a crisis. They act like they've never been to sleep before. Bed? What's that? No, I don't want to do that. Then it becomes some hostage negotiation. 
but in reverse. Look, if you stay in there, I will give you whatever you want. I will meet your demands. What do you want, a helicopter to Cuba? Anything. There's always one awake. Like they're taking shifts. All right, I'll annoy him from midnight to two. Who wants three to six? Now let's lie down and practice kicking him in our sleep. <laughs> it's so true, Cole. It's like they just don't want to go to sleep. And as a parent, I'm thinking, you have no idea how lucky you are to be going to bed at 7.30 at night. If only I could change places with you, you know? We never appreciate naps when they're so readily available. No. And he goes on to joke about if, you know, if you have no idea what it's like to have that many kids, um, he gives you uh, an idea of what that might seem like. I uh, recently became a father. Thank you. Became a father for the fourth time. Never as much applause on that part. Really no applause, right? Because after the third kid, people stop congratulating you. Then they just treat you like you're Amish. Four? Well, that's one way to live your life. Can you build us one of those wood fireplaces? Four kids. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. <laughs> and uh, I, I appreciate that, Jim Gaffigan, because I am about to have my fourth child. And it's likely that's what we'll be experiencing. I'll still congratulate and applaud for Thank the fourth you. time around. Thank you. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the pains and the struggles that come with having that many kids. But it really is a delight to have kids, as anybody with kids could attest. Um, you know, it's it's easy to focus on the things that frustrate us or the things that infuriate us. But really... We wouldn't have it any other way, Cole. I uh, I just want to share a story about one of my kids who is very affectionate. And whenever I come home, just runs right up to me and gives me a big hug. And it, you would think it was the f I have been away from from the home for a week when she comes up and throws her arms around me. Aww. And there were a couple of years ago. There was a day when I drove up. And she couldn't wait for me to get up to the house, so she ran down to the garage. And she kind of tilted her head a little bit and smiled, put her hands on her hip. And I quote, this is what she said, and I quote, So, how was the work day? <laughs> and coming from a three-year-old, that is just adorable to hear her utter those words. I love all of my kids, and I, I, I hope they all love me, um, but I'm pretty sure they do. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, all about babies. Special episode in honor of Jeff Simpson and his wife and his whole dang family. And here's hoping by next week's show that baby will be here 
and we'll be having a totally different conversation. You may be hearing me fall asleep on Mike Cole. I hope that's okay. It'll be understandable. You'll forgive we're, me. We're if really I do. explain. This was a an hour long explanation for why Jeff will be uh, tired for the next eighteen years of his life. <laughs> well, as we said, that's going to do it for this episode. We're here each and every Saturday at six p.m. Eastern, three p.m. Pacific on BYU Radio, and we're here to give you the very best in entertainment. We do it on Screen Cleaning. My name is Jeff Simpson. And my name is Cole Wissinger. Until next time.